Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 3. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Philippians, I want you to see this. This is what Paul has to say. He says the exact same thing. It's about Christ. Philippians chapter 1. And look at verse 15. Got your finger in John. Philippians chapter 1, verse 15. Looking at verse 15, say, I'm looking at it. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add to my afflictions and my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then, in verse 18, only that in every way, whether in, y'all watching this? Whether in pretense or in what? Truth, what? Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. Paul says, listen, the only important thing is Christ. It reminds me of this story. It was at a point in history that two of the greatest English evangelist John Wesley and George Whitfield disagreed on certain doctrinal matters. Well, Whitfield was a Calvinist and Wesley was not. However, both of them were successful in bringing many people to Christ. And one day, someone asked Wesley if he expected to see Whitfield in heaven. And Wesley replied, no, I don't. The person then asked, then, do you think that Whitfield is a converted man? Of course he's a converted man, said Wesley, but I do not expect to see him in heaven because he will be so close to the throne of God and I so far away that I will not be able to see him. And the point is, these great men with doctrinal differences didn't allow those differences to stand in the way of what was really important. What is really important is that Christ is preached. What is really important is that people get saved. What is really important is that souls are one for the kingdom. Am I right about that? Souls, that's the most important thing. Not dividing and division that takes place in the church over all these trivial things. Listen, difference doesn't mean wrong, just means different. Different doesn't mean wrong, just means different. The Bible says, let brotherly love, what saints, continue. In essentials, write this down. In essentials, there must be unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. In essentials, there must be unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Well, here in our text, Jesus and his disciples and John and his disciples come to Judea and they're baptizing in the area called Enon and Selim. Now, Enon, if you want to write this in your margins, means spring, like in springtime. And Selim means peace. 
spring and peace. And while I was studying, I was, you know, looking at some commentaries on, um, you know, this particular text. And a lot of commentaries, they say, um, you know, spring and peace. And they try to, you know, get the meaning out of what spring and peace means. And so, and they come up with all these things. It's just, it's like ridiculous. They, you know, spring, well, it, you know, the spring because of the warmth of Jesus. Why were they baptizing in that area? Spring and peace because of the warmth of Jesus. And peace because Jesus is peace and he's the prince of peace. And when the warm arms of Jesus wrap around the peoples who are being baptized, the peace and the warmth come from them. And I'm reading this and I'm going, are we reading the same Bible? It says that they were in Anon and Selim because water was there. <laughs> Somebody say amen. <laughs> Why you got to over-spiritualize stuff? People, some of the, Christian. Help me. Don't over-spiritualize things. Why we got to be so spiritual? We got to over-spiritualize everything. I mean, everything got to be so spiritual. You know, some people are so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. You got to over-spiritualize everything. You know, talking to non-believers, do you understand? Listen, when you talk to non-believers, let me help you. When you talk to non-believers, bring it low. Bring it down. You're talking to non-believers and you tell them, you know what? God wants to work in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to come upon your life in power and with fire. And then the blood of Jesus is going to cover you and wash you of your sin. Do you know what that sounds like to a non-believer? That sounds like if I get saved, God's going to drench me in blood and set me on fire. No wonder they ain't trying to get saved. Who wants to get on fire? No one. Sorry. (laughs) It's crazy. Bring it down. Stop trying to be so spiritual. Everything. You know, you meet people like that. You know people like that. It's like, how you doing? How's things going? Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and that with fire. And the Holy Spirit has come upon me. And I'm feeling like the Spirit of God is working through me and coming up all out of me. And you're like, I just asked you how you doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Stop trying to be so over-spiritual. Bring it down. It's okay. You know, I think God, praise the Lord, that has to come out of your mouth every second. You know, you can preach the word of God and not even quote chapter and verse. <gasps> Clutch the pearls. <laughs> For real? Yes. You can preach God's word and not quote chapter. Well, John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world. And then 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, for God is love and they that love must be. You don't need all that. All you got to do is tell people, hey, you know what? God loves you. And guess what? God is love. Whoa, revelation. You don't need all that. Bring it down. Don't be so overly spiritual. They're baptizing in the area, not because there's any hidden message in the name, but because there was water there. Now, before we go on, 
I want you to understand that John the Baptist had a very unique ministry. This is very important. I want you to write this down. John the Baptist had a very unique ministry. Number one, keep in mind that there had not been a prophet in Israel for 400 years. God wasn't speaking to man. God's voice was silent. So in one sense, John was an Old Testament dispensation prophet. In one hand, John the Baptist held the law. In the other hand, he held the good news of the gospel and the great plan of salvation through the Lamb of God. That's unique. Number two, not only was he an Old Testament dispensation prophet, but John's ministry was unique in that the Jews had ceremonial washings or what they call a mikvah. If you were with us in Israel, I took you to a mikvah and I showed you where they would have these these ceremonial washings and where they were done. And They were done on a daily basis to symbolize preparation for other forms of worship, but they were not baptisms to repentance. John's ministry was unique because John was, John's baptism was a one-time baptism of repentance, which symbolized the preparation of the heart for the coming of Jesus. John the Baptist is calling the nation, even the Jewish leaders, to repentance. And number three, John's ministry is unique because John, think about this, had the privilege and might I add the honor to baptize Jesus himself so that all righteousness might be fulfilled. So in our text, an argument develops between John and his disciples and Jesus and his disciples about ceremonial washings or purification. And they came to John and they said, the man that was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. It could be that there were some who were following John or going to John's church who decided to start following Jesus and going to Jesus' church and it caused them jealousy. Well, then in verse 24, it tells us all this happened before John was thrown in prison, just to kind of insert. So John's disciples are probably upset. But John, it didn't bother John one bit because John knows all things charity. And John would not allow jealousy and envy to make him forget the mission. John knew his mission. John knew his ministry. Got a pen? John's mission and ministry was to announce the Messiah period, and then step back. John's mission and ministry was to announce the Messiah and then step back. John's ministry was threefold. You got a pen? Clear the way, prepare the way, get out of the way. Clear the way, prepare the way, get out of the way for the Messiah. Clear the way. Clear people's minds and hearts so that they're ready to receive the Messiah. Prepare the way. Call the nation to repentance so the Messiah would be accepted and get out of the way. Step aside once the Messiah has been introduced. John wanted the Messiah to be lifted up. Are you listening? John wanted his light to shine so men could see his good works and glorify the Father. John wanted the Messiah to be seen. The ministry that John had is probably, listen, one of the toughest ministries in the church. Because John's ministry was to prepare the way to clear the road, are y'all listening? To clear the road so that the Messiah could come through. John's ministry was to put the Messiah forward so people could see him. Not so people can see John. John had a ministry that, that, that very few people can fulfill and be happy. Very few people can serve and work and somebody else get the glory. Few. 
Few people can say, you know what? I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do that all so that you can be seen. A lot of people want to say, you know, I'll do this and I'll do that so people can say, oh, you're a wonderful person. You're a great person. You're such a servant. You're such a man. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody was thanking John. Nobody's looking at John going, oh, John, you're a great job preparing the way, clearing the way and getting out of the way. Good job, John. Great job. Nobody did that. And John didn't care because John knew his purpose. You got to know your purpose and stay in your lane. That's another sermon. Know your purpose. Stay in your lane. John's ministry was to prepare the way, get out of, clear the way, prepare the way, get out of the way for someone else to shine. And I'm confident, and this is one of the reasons why John was great. Remember I told you some time ago, I said John was great because John was the prophet that the prophets prophesied about. That's why Jesus said John was the greatest prophet. John was the greatest prophet because John was the prophet that the prophets prophesied about. But I also think John was the great prophet because John was a prophet who was willing to do the work of the ministry and get out of the way. I got to believe that. Look at verse 26. They say, John, people are leaving us. They're going over to Jesus. I love John's response in verse 27. Look at it again. Verse 27, a man can receive, come on, y'all too quiet for me. Read verse 27. A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. In other words, John saw his ministry as a gift from God and received from God. He also saw Jesus' ministry as a gift as well. John had the crowds because, or Jesus had the crowds, because that was what God had given him. And John says the reason is God is giving them to Jesus. The reason people are leaving our, y'all getting this? The reason people are leaving our ministry of baptizing disciples, y'all need to get this. The reason folk are leaving us and going to Jesus is because it's the Father's plan. That's what's supposed to happen. A person can't receive one thing, not one person, let alone one group, unless it is given to him from heaven. You can't do it unless it comes from heaven. You can't have a large church unless it is ordained of God. Some of y'all been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know, I never wanted a large church. I never wanted a large church, never. I always, to me, I, didn't, I never really cared about the size of the church. I remember, and I was telling a friend of mine, even just a couple of days ago, I said, I was telling him, I said, you know, as I think back over my ministry and my life in ministry of, you know, 27, 28, nine years or something, um, I've never had a small Bible study. Never. The first guy I led to the Lord was Anthony Ruby on Camp Pendleton, outside of Oceanside, California. Camp Pendleton led Anthony Ruby to the Lord. And because I led Anthony Ruby to the Lord, I thought I needed to disciple Anthony Ruby. So I went out and bought uh, Unger's Bible Dictionary, which was $32. I will never forget, 32 bucks was a lot of money for a book. Of course, I wasn't a good student, so maybe I didn't know how books cost. So, (laughs) side note. So so I went out and got Unger's Bible Dictionary, and I started studying about it. I'm teaching Anthony Ruby out on the grass in front of our office on Camp Pendleton, California. 
And so one guy comes by and he says, hey, can I join the Bible study? And I'm like, well, sure. And then another guy comes and before you know it, he's bringing a guy. And before you know it, I got 30 people sitting on the grass. I mean, in like four or five weeks, I got 30 people sitting on the grass and I'm teaching the Bible study. And then we keep teaching and time is going on. And before you know it, I got to go to two services at lunchtime or a lunchtime Bible study on Camp Pendleton. I've been doing multiple services. <laughs> so then the base chaplain, he goes, uh, oh, Finch, uh, I need to speak with you, Finch. I'm like, yes, sir. Well, what are you doing? I am teaching the Bible. And uh, why are you doing that? Because people need to know it. <laughs> and you're a chaplain. You should know these things. And so he's like, uh, well, you can't do that. I'm like, why? It's on lunchtime, and you know, I really kept to my lunchtime, and I wasn't doing anything wrong or whatever. And, and the problem was there were so many people coming, it was causing a traffic jam. Because especially with the two services, we had it's just like now, and um, you know, it's same, same, same. I'm used to it. So then they, and then they, you know, and it was drawing bad attention because I'm an E nothing, and he's like an O one hundred, and you know, like an O ten or something like that. And then so, and I'm an E nothing, and he's got two people coming to his Bible study, and I don't have any place to put mine. And so, and so he's like, well, how come you should maybe you know, here's a building, here's an empty building, here's a key. Take all those people inside the building because he was making them look bad. I got all these people coming to Bible study. The chaplain got two people coming to Bible study. So they want me to get inside. I was all for that because now we can meet every time because sometimes if it rained, we couldn't meet. So now even if it rains or whatever, we can meet all the time. So we just continue to grow and grow and grow. And then so many years later, God calls me here. And again, I'm telling you this because it's God who brings the people, not me. I never advertised. Never in this church did I advertise. God brings me here. First year, we got 110 people. Two years later from that, we got 300 people. Two years later from that, we got 500 people. Uh, two, three years later from that, we got 900 white people. 900 white folk. Carol, you remember. She, Carol, you've been here for 18 years. Carol been here since the church started. I'm going to embarrass you. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up so they can see who you are. I'm your pastor, girl. And have been for 18 years. She's been here for 18 years. She was the very first Bible study I did in the clubhouse. And so you know what I'm saying is true. We just kept growing and growing. And then we had all those white people. Remember that? <laughs> And then the News and Disturber, they came and they wanted to do a story on us because we had all these white people and I'm a black senior pastor and only black folks in the church was me and my wife. So and we got 900 white folks. So she comes and she does this story and she says, uh, well, um, I'd just like to know, how is it that you got um, all of these people in the church? And I said, what do you mean, white people? How do they get all white people? Say it, white people, white people. So, so she said, yeah, well, yes, yes. I said, you know what, honestly, I said, and I said, please write this down, because she was doing a story. And I said, please write this down. I said, I 
don't care who comes. I don't care if they're white, black, red, purple, uh, doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, don't matter to me. I never, I care that people know God's word because there's a famine in the land. I care because people know God's word because the word of God is rare in these here days. And, and, and there's death in the pot in the teaching of the word of God. So I only care that God's word is taught. Who God sends is between God. God just happened to send white people. <laughs> Write that down. But I never really care because it's the Lord who builds a house. And unless the Lord builds a house, the man labors in vain. You better know that. That's what the Bible says. Unless it's given to him from heaven. Churches are built from heaven. So you look at a church and go, well, they're a small church. Well, maybe they're supposed to be a small church because God didn't send them that way. And for us, I never wanted a big church. And here we have a big, because God sent these people this way. These things come from heaven. John 6, 37, write it down. All that the Father gives me will come to me, Jesus said. In other words, the people, the reason people are coming to Jesus and leaving John is because it's the will of God. It's the sovereign work of God in people. Verse 28, John says, I told you, you were a witness. I am not the Christ. John says, this shouldn't be a surprise. God sent him for this very thing. This is God's plan all along. John's ministry is to gather people and give them up. Rise like a meteorite, rise like a star in the wilderness and burn out like a meteorite. That's God's plan from the beginning. John knows it and it brings him joy. You know your Bibles, and you know that the church in Corinth had problems. There were divisions and jealousy and envy and backbiting, and some thought that they were, um, you know, more important than others. And some thought that they were more holy than others, and some thought that they were better than others. I think of 1 Corinthians 4, 7, New Living Translation. What makes you better than anyone else? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God? Why boast as though you have accomplished something on your own? Ministry 101, all ministry is God's ministry. We need each other. And without each other, we can't succeed. We need a church down the street. We need churches that are larger than ours. Are you listening? We need churches that are smaller than ours. Calvary Chapel, you've heard me say this before, Calvary Chapel, Cary, is not for everybody. It's not for everybody. You know, people leave the church and they don't say goodbye. It's a little tacky. <laughs> Especially if I know you. You know, if I know you and you leave the church and you don't say goodbye, it's got a little bit of tacky, you know, so okay, fine. So I see some people out in, you know, supermarket, Target or something, you know, and I go, you know, I'm like, I'll see him, you know, and people, when they see me and, and, you know, there's some weirdness or whatever, they try to hide. They try to run. I can see them. They see me coming. They go down. They go the other way. And I see them. And you know what I do? I run them down. I will run you down. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, did you? I'll be like, hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, how you doing? They go, oh, oh, that's right. Hey, I didn't see you. Oh, why are you hiding behind the beans? Huh? 
<laughs> well, I didn't see you. Uh, hey, how you doing? How's things going? I haven't seen you while we been. Well, you know, we you know, we just decided to go to, you know, church down <laughs> but you know him. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know what you know they ain't got nothing to say. You know, we decided to go to church down there. And I'm like, oh well that's great. They teach you the Bible, you guys getting fed? Great. And they go, they're disarmed. Because I don't care. If you don't this church is not for everybody. And sometime you need to move on because you can't grow in this pot. God didn't, doesn't have you here. It's not for everybody. So it's okay if you go to another church. I understand that Calvary Chapel is not for everybody. For example, some people really find it important that their children sit with them in the service. Some people really find that really important that the kids sit with them in the service. Well, here at Calvary Chapel, we find it really important that the children get ministered to on their level down there. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.